I'm so happy to be here and um, just want to share with you kind of my thoughts on this and just from personal experience and also, you know, did lots of research with books and on the internet and all kinds of things. So it was interesting and very encouraging that a lot of the things that they said, you know, overlapped. And so hopefully today it will help you as well. So um, I started out by, when I found out what topic that, you know, we kind of had decided on, I started out by asking my children. I had my 15-year-old, my 18-year-old together, and we were going to get a Slurpee or something. And I said, what, you know, I'm going to be speaking about sibling harmony. What do you think? Why is it that y'all seem to really, you know, like each other and get along? And, and they both answered, because I'm awesome. And it's like, oh, okay. All right, number one, self-confidence, right? And um, so anyway, I just, but I thought that was funny because they feel loved and accepted within our family. And I think that's, that's a point we'll get to. But I just thought it was so funny. Just because we're both awesome, I'm like, okay, well, that's great. I'm no self-esteem problems here. Anyway, so um, I just ask you, does this sound familiar? Mom, he's touching me. I am not with a mischievous grin. Yes, you are. Quit lying. I'm not lying. You're just trying to get me in trouble. Both of you, stop it right now. That's you. But mom, he's doing it on purpose. You're such a crybaby. Okay, so does any of that resonate at all? Um, So we look back in scripture and we see the first sibling rivalry. And it's from um, Cain and Abel. I'm just going to read these verses because this was really... I mean, Genesis 4, we're not very far into the beginning of the world and the whole creation, and already there's sibling um, rivalry. So, now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soils and offering to the Lord, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. And while they were there, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So hopefully it's not gotten to that point at your house, but you can see just the, uh, you know, just it's an, it's an innate part of our sin nature, which started back a few chapters earlier with Adam and Eve. We're all born sinners. And so we can't be surprised when sin creeps up and people don't get along, whether it's in the family or not. So I love Pinterest, and I'm sure most of y'all do, and I just thought this was funny, how siblings actually fight, how mom sees our fights, and how we see our fight. But I think I'd switch those two, really. I think, I think they see their fight as like, oh, it's no big deal, and you see them as wanting to kill each other. So anyway, I love that one. And then another one from Pinterest, which I thought was just so perfect for little kids, mommy, mommy. Tim's piece of cheese doesn't have as many holes in mine. So I'm sure that there's no comparison going on in your family between your kids. So, um, And then I love this verse. What causes fights and quarrels among you from James? Don't they come from desires that battle within you? Here's the key here. You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you have. What, you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. And, and I have all these verses at the bottom of that second page of your notes. But I just love that. It's like you cannot have what you want. That's really the bottom line of our sin nature and why sometimes our kids don't get along. Um, the ne- and this is another thing that probably is common in your house is, yes, I know I said I hated it, but now that he's got it, I want it back. Does that resonate at all to you? Okay, and that little goofy towel, I'm sure he didn't want it, but now all of a sudden it seems like a good idea. So I was trying to think about what are just some verses that would inform us about, about what is the goal, how do we want to act, you know, what are some scriptures that you might even decide you want to put on a card or put to memory, and um, I kind of came up with what I thought was a really good one in Colossians 3, starting in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. Okay, let's list these things out. Compassion. As a mother, teaching each other compassion for each other, the siblings, um, being able to step into somebody else's shoes and know what that feels like. Kindness. I don't think we can get enough of that, but just teaching them these qualities, teaching them kindness. What does that look like? What does that mean to let somebody else go ahead of you or sacrificing? Humility, you know, uh, we're leading a foundation group and a lot of what we talk about is a lot of the root of sin is pride, maybe all of it. And just to be humble and to not always think that you have to be right or first or best. Um, gentleness and patience, and both of those, again, just qualities that may not come naturally to us. So we need to be... Um, clothing ourselves with it because it doesn't come naturally. So that means we're emptying ourselves of something else to be clothed with this. 
Um, then it goes on, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. And we'll talk about forgiveness in just a little bit. But, um, you know, I think that's really important. That's probably one of the first ways that we can really show love is to forgive um, our spouse, to forgive teach our children to forgive each other, forgive your friends. And to, to, when forgiveness meaning you're making a choice to um, not remember this or to, to forgive, and um, it's a choice whether they choose to accept it or not, but you are releasing it and releasing them from the punishment that you might think they deserve. And it goes on, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So forgiveness really isn't a choice. I mean, and there's other scriptures that point to the fact that um, if you want the Lord to forgive you, which he does, you need to extend that same kind of mercy. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ, here we go, peace, peace versus the rivalry, okay, harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. So as I look at it here, I'm thinking one body is your family. Your family is one unit. And so you're trying to Gather how you can have peace within your family and be thankful. And I do think that's so important to be thankful because sometimes we end up treating our children as kind of an inconvenience or we, um, we have something else on our list that we want to do and we're not thankful for them. And they, they sense that. Um, and, then, and then that's going to go to what we're going to talk about in a little bit about how the, if they don't feel like they're really accepted and loved in that family, that can just increase the, um, the negative wanting to fight with each other. Um, but I'm not saying your children fight because you don't love them. I'm not saying that at all. Um, okay, we move on. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I just love those verses. I was just trying to kind of like what one would just encapsulate Really, what are we looking for here? And the, I think these are great. And, you know, some of the detailed words here like um, clothe yourselves. Compassion. You don't wake up feeling compassionate, kind, hum, humble, gentle, or patient. You're having to get rid of the selfishness and put on these things. So, And then the peace in one body. Your family's one body. And we'll talk about how to just kind of, um, you know, train that into your children of the importance of family. Okay, so back to the Pinterest. So what doesn't work? And I love this. Y'all probably seen this. I think it's so funny. Look at that little girl's face. So this would not be my recommendation, although it's pretty funny. Um, okay, so that is not, the, yeah, kids in one shirt. I'm going to say that's not, that's, don't write that down. Um, but what is the goal? And that would be for them to love each other, just that they would love each other and, um, and that's a learning process. And I put this picture in because there's tie in the bow tie is taking the girl in the lace dress to homecoming. And my other children wanted to come to the pre-pictures. And I just thought that was the sweetest thing ever. That, so that's my son who's getting married and his fiance and then my daughter on the right in the green. I just, I just love that, that they wanted to go. And Ty's kind of like, are you sure you want to go with, you know, the, to these other, but it was just so sweet that they wanted to be there for each other. So that would be your goal is to have them love each other, even when you're not there and it will happen. I promise you. So don't be, don't be thinking that's going to happen necessarily when they're three, but, but that if that's the goal and you're training that into them, then it will happen. Um, okay. So then I love this verse. Um, another one that, that might be good to put to memory. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. And that's a really good quality. And to teach that in your children, to be compassionate, to be sympathetic, to put themselves in somebody else's shoes. Love as brothers. And so if we ask ourselves, is this really important? This is how God expected us to love one another. And he, he included brothers as, you know, other people, not just, you know, bloodline. But be compassionate and humble. Again, those same words are keep coming back. So these are character qualities you're going to want to be thinking about. And, you know, I've, I've spoken before how you want to begin with the end in mind. So if you want these qualities in your children, then, then have them in front of you and be praying about them. And um, because, you're, you know, these aren't words that are just going to come across your page when you read the newspaper. So you want to have them in front of you so you can be praying those things. And then God will bring to minds like, hey, that was, you know, I really like the way you showed compassion to your brother. You thought about how that made him feel. Or you can be recognizing him. So I would, rec- you know, I would just encourage you to have these verses either in here or somewhere that you can read them so that you're thinking about these qualities. These would be the goals. Um, so here's some of the things that you might uh, try that you might think would work, and that would be yelling and screaming at them to stop it. Stop fighting. I said I'm going to stop this car and I'm going to get out. So that might not be your best um, method. 
You could also lose your temper and tell them things like, you're driving me crazy. And then you're going to hear them say that later and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I know where they got that. Um, another thing that does not work is idle threats from your chair. If you don't stop that, I'm going to come up there and fill in the blank. Okay. Um, so I'm a big fan of if you, you, that you cannot parent, Millie's going to cover discipline. You have, you can't really do it from an armchair. So just remember that. Um, and then don't say promises that you're never going to keep. You all can never play Legos together again. Because you know that's not going to happen. So don't make these threats that are, you are never going to get to go get a Slurpee again. You're never, just, you know, control the tongue and don't make these threats. Because then you become less credible and they will know that you don't really mean it. I was with my um, niece and my sisters and her children and we went, went away for a couple of days <clears throat> after Christmas. And, and the, the mom who I adore, she's telling the kids, if you don't stop that, I'm going to... And I'm writing, no, I'm kidding. Uh, anyway, but, but I heard the daughter say, she's not going to do it. He knows she's not going to do anything about it. And she was 10. And I was like, oh, that's really, you know, they figure it out when, when you say things you don't mean. So watch what your words are. Um, now, I think, you know, I talked a couple years ago here, but I think it's really a good idea. I'm not trying to beat this into the ground, but it's a good idea to look at the personalities of your children. Um, if one is, say, very methodical and reserved and likes to line up their little cars in a row, you're going to have to do, you're going to have to create an environment that works for them so that if the sanguine who wants to come and knock over every Lego tower, you know, that you've got to protect each one of them for the way God made them. Um, uh, and if they both want to be to the center of attention and they're, you know, arguing over that in a negative way, then you're going to, you know, so you need, it's kind of a good idea to know what the personalities are. And... Um, so I love this verse from Psalm 139. <clears throat> you know it, but just it's just tells us how much God looked at us and you know we're all so unique and it's not just you can have the same parents in the same house and have such different children and I know y'all all know that. But let's read the verse from Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And so each one of these precious lives that you have the privilege of raising was created individually by God. What a beautiful thing. And so they're not like a pack of wolves. And so you want to love each one of them differently, and we're going to get to that. But first of all, you need to kind of study who they are and the way that God made them. So I'm just going to spend a couple of minutes reviewing the four temperaments um, because I, I feel so strongly that this is important for you. So I talked about it, but I think it's been a while. Um, so we've got the first one is the sanguine, who's the talker, the life of the party, the fun guy, um, energetic, fun-loving, they like variety. They're ready to get up and go whenever. They're just, you know, you just think of a fun talker kind of kid. Um, so, but their weaknesses are that they have a low self-esteem. So they, that's why they may want to always be having to get in the center of the attention. They may be insecure. They're, they avoid details. So you have a child who's very detail-oriented and this one who's not, then that's, you know, that there's going to be some conflict created there, perhaps. Disorganized, okay, you buy, them, you buy them both a set of colors. This kid can't find half of his, like, the next day. And then you've got the other one who's got, like, it hidden in a secret place, and they're, you know, perfect the way they came in the box. So this child, even though he's really fun, they've got weaknesses. And they're going to, when they have different weaknesses, they're going to collide. Um, this one can also be very impulsive. So you have a sanguine and a kid who's not... And the sanguine is probably going to be getting in trouble, a trouble more. So you got to, you know, love them well for the way that God designed them so that you're not um, getting them, you know, causing, creating opportunities for them to get in trouble. Um, and these, this child also never thinks they're wrong. Okay, so I have, I have some of these. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's, you know, something for you to think about. This fun-loving guy who's so great all, they, you know, that's, that's really a negative that they never think they're wrong. So it's harder for them to um, own up to, to their part of the, dis, to, of the disagreement. <clears throat> okay, then we have the choleric. I'm oh, sorry, I've got them out of order there. Um, and this is the doer. Okay, this is the bossy one. You probably, you know, you're thinking, in, you may be thinking in your mind, this is the one who really would like to tell you how to run the household. 
Um, they are strong-willed, super achiever. They're a born leader, which will be great in their future. You just have your work cut out for you to, to train them as a child because they, they really would like to be in charge at a very, very young age. Um, they're well-organized. They're purposeful. They're ambitious. They have a lot of energy and passion. So there's a lot of great qualities for them as an adult. But for you as a parent, they're going to wear you out because they, are, they would really just prefer to, that you just step back and let them handle everything. <laughs> Um, okay, so, and so this, uh, choleric person, this child also, but now they have weaknesses also. They're prideful. So they're probably also going to want to think that they're, that they are right and that they are large and in charge and they are opinionated. They are insensitive to the other. So that's a quality you need to be thinking about. If you've got this dominating bossy one, they're going to be insensitive to the other child. And if you have one who's really sensitive, you know, they're going to collide. Um, and they also may be demanding or hot tempered. So. Um, they also want to win. The choleric child wants to win at whatever cost. Okay. This child is going to be the one that you have a little bit more trouble teaching compassion and some of those gentleness, humility, those kind of things. But as an adult, they might be leader of the free world. So just get through this childhood thing. Um, okay. Then the melancholy. Um, and this is the, the one that lines their little cars up and is very methodical. Um, let's see. They are the, um, thinker. Or the perfectionist, they're analytical, they're persistent, um, and they are—they just are the ones that want, you know, they're the exact same cup every, you know, just all those kind of details in life that this, if you're a sanguine mom, you're going to be like, what is wrong with this kid? But I, I read somewhere, this child is the most important one that you need to understand, especially if you're not their personality. It's really important that you get on their level and understand who they are so that you can love them well the way they need to be loved instead of being like... Stop lining up the cars. Just, you know, let him play with them. No, this kid is wired that way. And so you just need to love them well like that. So, um, but they also can, they also remember the negatives, okay? Because they kind of have this half-empty person. They might be a kind of a half-empty person. So, you know, you make a mistake and they're going to just be, whoa, you know, Eeyore, boat is me kind of kid. Um, and they may also be a worrier, okay? So th- that's the melancholy child. And they have, they offer the world... Such wonderful things. They might be really, really good at math and music, and they they can stick with something well. And they, because of that methodical, organized child, they they may be leader of the world in another way, but in inventing something or in um, just a masterpiece creator. You know, so they have wonderful ways to add to the world. But you just have to you're going to have to really be sensitive to their little quirky things if you're not that way. Um, and they're also very literal. Okay, then our last child is the phlegmatic. And you'll think you are like the greatest parent in the world if you have one of these because they're so easygoing. And so a lot of people, you know, I, I know some friends that like their first child was this and they thought, I've got this parenting thing down. This isn't, I don't know why you're thinking it's so hard. It's not that hard. You've got this very compliant child, easygoing, they sleep, they're on a schedule. They're well-balanced. Um, as they get older, they're just consistent and just easygoing. They are just, you know, this kid who you think makes you look great. Great, great, great. But as a parent, you need to protect them. You need to protect them from the choleric brother who will constantly boss them around or from the melancholy child who will, you know, um, be so detail-oriented. You know, just you're going to have to kind of weigh all this. Weaknesses in the phlegmatic child or person is that they sometimes can be indecisive. And so it's great that they're so easygoing, but sometimes you really need a decision. Do you want grilled cheese or do you want macaroni? Or you know, And you can decide for them, but you want to teach them the skill of being able to make choices also. But they also can be super stubborn in that easygoing, and they can almost be passive-aggressive. So their lack of making a decision can back you into a corner, um, or you know, they'll, just that passive-aggressive meaning them doing nothing is a way to get their way, if you know what I mean. So we'll talk about some of these more, but um, they are generally so easygoing and so easy to parent, but you, you as their mom need to protect them from some of those other personalities um, so that they don't uh, just, you know, lose their spot in the family, so, so to speak. They also need peace and quiet. So if you've got two other siblings that are other personalities and they're fighting, that's going to agitate this child a little bit more. And you don't want to let them sit, slip through the cracks, okay? But they are the easiest to get along with. Okay, <clears throat> and I've got a sheet 
those colored sheets, and we're going to spend a couple of minutes, and I want you, we're, going to, we're not going to do it yet, but I want you to really spend time thinking about each one of your children. So as we go through, be thinking now, but I'm going to give you a few minutes to write down some things. Okay, so then the other thing that you need to think about as, your, as a parent is their strengths and weaknesses. So maybe some children are very, you know, they're great at, and I know they're little still, but if they're great at athletics, or you notice this one can sing, or that this one is dramatic, and so you, and, but then this one doesn't share, and so the, the weaknesses as well. So the strengths and the weaknesses will help you parent them better. Um, so, and also be sensitive to like, if you think that a boy should be sporty and you have a child who's musical, you know, you need to adjust your thinking to love them well. Because if y'all have read the, if y'all ever have that book, The uh, Power of Praying Parent, I love that book. But one of the very, like the first chapter is I think on salvation. And then there's one on protection. The next one is feeling loved and accepted. And so it's really important for you to, to recognize your children's strengths and weaknesses, and especially their strengths, and, and celebrate those so that you, they can feel fully loved and accepted. If you think that this child should be an athlete and they're not, they're going to sense that. And so know what their strengths are, know what their weaknesses are, and celebrate them so that they feel that love and acceptance. Um, They'll, they'll all have different talents. They'll have, and you know, you just want to recognize those. If you see a child who you really think is artistic, then, you know, then provide opportunities to, to nurture that or one that's, you know, just to individually, they all are going to have strengths and weaknesses. The, the thing with the weaknesses is you're going to want to really, really start praying about that. And the strengths also, the strengths you're going to pray for, Lord, is this, is there something I need to do differently or to, to encourage this strength? Um, and the weaknesses you're going to want to you're going to want to be praying over those to know how to help them with that. Um, the next thing that I would just want to say is that you do, as their parent, you have a strong influence on um, the quality of their relationships. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about more kind of to dos, and we'll cover that then. But you do have an influence that you can build love between them, you can build trust, and you can build encouragement by the way you um, love and parent them. And uh, I love the verse from Psalms, uh, sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from them. And just to remember that, you know, it's so great to have a phone and a computer and a TV and a Pinterest and all that good stuff. But if they sense that you're, um, you know, just to remember that what a blessing they are. And I know that you need a break from them sometimes, but sometimes I remember, um, and I've said this before, I mean, this was like... 15 years ago, but I remember somebody praying at something. We were at a Bible study, and she was in charge, and she was like, Lord, may we never treat our children as an inconvenience. And I think sometimes when we have our mindset on an agenda, like, I've got to get this wall painted or this, you know, whatever, this chapter read, then we're treating them like, just go do your thing. I need to get this done. And I know that that is true sometimes when you're cooking dinner or doing something you have to do. But just make wise choices about what you commit to so that you're not constantly trying to, you know, send them off to go do something else. Because you, um, I, my example is I said that I was going to be in charge of this. I was a nurse, school nurse, and I was in, like, in charge of this organization, school nurses all over Texas. And I had said I would be in charge of this convention. And, uh, and it was like two years out that they assigned the person in charge. And then I had a baby in between, and I, but I was so prideful. I wasn't about to say I can't do it. So I did it with a baby, and it was, you know, it was really, it turned out fine, but it was really hard. I should have just said, you know what, I, I, I've given you plenty of notice. I can't, this is not the season in my life for me to do this, because he was like an inconvenience when I'm trying to work on all the stuff and the decorations and the speakers and the, you know, the working with the room people and the setup and all that, and I shouldn't have done that. I, that was not the right season for that. So... <clears throat> Really embracing that verse that your children are a reward, they're a blessing. And yes, I know you need time away from them, but just to, to embrace them and to love them and to be thankful for them. And, and a lot of times when they feel like an inconvenience, it's because of some commitment you've made. It's not just because you have to cook dinner, maybe. But generally it's not like that, it's something bigger. Okay, the other thing is uh, to just be sensitive of is their birth order. And this is not innate. They don't come out like this, but it's what you do to them. <laughs> and so a lot of times we put too much uh, emphasis on the older one. And I look back and I, I mean, Carter was seven when Addie was born and I, or he was four when Ty was born. And I think, I mean, I thought he was like half grown at four years old because I had a baby that, 
And you know, that's not true. They're still little because in another family, a four-year-old would be like still the baby. But I was expecting, you know, don't expect too much of that oldest one to be like, go be mommy's helper and go get me this and go. Get... And I know that there's a certain amount of that that's normal, but just they're still little. So all probably every one of your children in here are still little. So don't try to make them, yeah, they can be a helper, but don't make them be assigned that role that forever and ever they have to be, they have to go be the strong, you know, help, you know, just let them sometimes still be a little kid. And then uh, a lot of times we end up baby and the baby, you know, just let them have your toy. Just let them, you know, come on, let's just have some peace. And then the middle one, losing the middle one in the shuffle. And I, I love the story. My sisters, um, they're two years apart. And I remember the, the younger one saying that she always, her, the, my parents would be like, well, I know you need a new car, but she's getting ready to go to college. Well, I know you need a new car, but she's getting to get, she's about to get married. I mean, you know, she was always this, she has like this true middle child syndrome of, um, of not being treated well as a middle child. So especially if you have like a phlegmatic middle child, you can lose them in the shuffle if you're not um, careful to make sure that they have a valued place. Um, let's see. So... Um, every child needs to feel valued and appreciated for where they are in the family. And, and there will be a little bit of, you're the oldest, I need your help. You're the youngest, come on, y'all give in to him, that kind of thing. But just try to, just be aware of it. Okay, so negative communication styles. These are sometimes things that we find in our families. And I think a lot of them can be like just the lack of clear expectations. And so if you let your kids fight and, you, and they think that that's okay, they probably will. And so um, I polled a bunch of moms just casually, you know, like, do you have any advice for, I'm going to be talking about this. And a lot of them just said, well, we just basically told them they couldn't fight. (laughs) And I know that may not work when they're two and three, but it can when they're bigger. You have the expectations of, you know what, Tamlins don't make fun of each other. We just don't in this family. You're in this family and that's the way we operate. We do not make fun of each other. Tamlins love each other. Tamlins may not hit. You may not hit each other in our family. And I know that sounds so, so rinky dink, but you just set this precedent that we do not do this in our family. And you're a member of our family, so guess what? We, you're not going to do that to your sibling. Tamlins don't say mean things. So you just set this up. Um, and so giving clear expectations of what is accepted in your family and what is not. And you'd be surprised how they will buy into that. Um, another thing that would be a, uh, something negative that can occur in a family is just not having enough family time. And if you're running, 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 or you're even with them, but you're so distracted by your phone or your computer or whatever that, you know, then, then they're going to, they're going to do what it takes to get your attention. So just not having family time together is, um, can create negative things. And then just being too busy also like chaos, like we're running here, we're running there, we're running there, we're running a bunch of errands and I'm getting three car seats out and six pairs of six shoes. I'm trying just, you know, choose your commitments wisely and try not to be running crazy because that, um, that is, that's not good for them. Um, one thing that I would, I didn't make a copy of this, but maybe I could have it emailed to y'all, but, um, there's, there's, it's, a called our, our 24 family ways. And it's kind of along those lines of Tamlins don't hit Tamlins do this Tamlins do that. But it's a, it's a list of 24 things and it just, you know, this is how it works in our, in our family. We honor and obey our parents. We listen to correction and accept discipline. We love one another. We serve one another, things like that. So you might even come up with a list of your own so that, um, you can, they know what's expected. In our family, we take turns. In our family, we um, share. In our family, you know, those kind of things. So just kind of setting that up for them. Um, I love this. Um, isn't that funny? What do you, who do you love now more? How do you love, who do you love more now, mom? And uh, isn't that funny? I love that. And that, there's a, that little child is pretty small. She's still, she or he's still in a diaper. So, um, but just that they're, they're attention seeking at any age. And so if you know them well, and then you can love them well, then you're going to have less of this. But you know what? That's going to happen. Sometimes you're going to turn your back and something's going to happen. But I just thought that was really funny. Okay. All right. So why the conflict? Um, the first one is that you just, if you have more than one child, you will have conflict <laughs> just this, because they're both born of descendant of Adam and Eve and we're all sinners. So that little picture there, the little guy has this little innocent face on and he says something like, 
you mean I'm not going to be the center of attention or something like that. So um, it is uh, kind of shocking when they have been and then they're not. Um, but I, I, I've seen these commercials. I haven't watched the show, but I've seen these commercials for sister wives. <laughs> and, and so guy, you know, is married and then he gets more wives. And I'm like, you know, that would hurt your feelings if your husband wanted to have more than one wife. So that's, you know, that's how your children feel when you start bringing in extra kids. But as an adult, they will get it. And so it'll be the greatest blessing of your life to have many. But at the first, they are thinking like, was I, did I, was I not measuring up? So, so they, it just is, uh, it's kind of natural for them to, to be like, you know, what? We're getting another one of these? So... Anyway, don't be surprised. Um, so, yes, you have more than one child. Now you're dealing with things like who started it, who gets the last cookie, who gets to pick the show, which color sippy cup, all those kind of things. So, uh, one, you have conflict because you have more than one child and because your children live in the same house. And um, so you've got adjustments, just like with marriage. You know, all of a sudden you've got two sinners living together, you know, working out um, working out how to, how to live together. And then also they're still learning to process. They're still learning how to live with others. And that's your job. Part of your job is to teach them how to have those qualities we talked about, like compassion and gentleness. Those don't come naturally. And um, that they're just still in the process of developing. So, um, so just something that I found, and this was on the Internet, but it just talked about conflict is an opportunity. And it doesn't feel like one usually. But um, it is an opportunity for us to learn to glorify God by trusting, obeying, you know, handing it over to him. It's also an opportunity to serve other people and to let yourself um, be second. And also it's to, to grow us to be like Christ. So we can teach our kids this, that, you know, all conflict is not bad. It grows us. It helps us to rely on the Lord. It puts us on our knees. And um, so it's not necessarily a bad thing. So um, let's see. Okay, so rules to play by, and these are some of the ones in our household. And the first one is that you do not have, this is my Holly one, she said this for years, you do not have permission to say everything you think. And I think that's really important to learn because you, and you don't either as a mom, (laughs) um, to your husband or to your children, but you don't have permission to say everything you think. And we need to teach our children that, that they don't get to say everything you think. When I was on this same little trip, my, the 10-year-old later on was tattling on the 7-year-old. And his comeback was, you're fat. And, of course, she's very skinny. But it, it had nothing to do with the, you know, with the whole conversation. But it's just, it was just funny because that was the only thing you could think of mean to say about her. And she, she's skinny as a rail. But, but you, you don't have permission to say everything you think. So they need to learn that as a skill in life to hold back from saying every mean thought that comes to their mouth. Um, another thing that we've talked about and we'll keep talking about is just to appreciate each child the way God made them. I was just had a friend telling me on Wednesday that, uh, her children go to Hockaday and that, um, there was a family there who's, the kids are so competitive because the parents are putting the pressure on them and they're saying, you've got to go to an Ivy league, you've got to play a sport. And the one kid, that's just not the way she's wired. And so, you know, she's having to work really, really hard for her parents' expectations and just because she's not really being loved and appreciated for who God designed her to be. And so you just want to be really careful for that, that that would be a, you know, a rule to play by in your household, that you appreciate each child. Um, you also want to have positive times together and have fun together and do trips together and meals together. And I think it was Elizabeth, I don't know if she's here somewhere, I read on her um, Facebook, you know, vacation with young children is something like just doing the same thing in a different location. <laughs> it's not that much of a vacation. And that's okay because you don't, you know, if you wait till your oldest is seven, then, then they have missed out on years of vacation. If, if you wait till the youngest is seven, the other one's gone or, you know, so you need to start and you need to do fun things and you can't wait for the baby to be ready because when the baby's ready, the, you know, the 15 year old doesn't want to go to Disney World anymore or whatever. So, um, you still need to have fun things together, even if every child isn't perfectly the perfect age to do these fun things. Um, but there are fun things you can do even when they're very little. You know, games at home or um, meals together can be fun, those kind of things. So family night, y'all have heard of all these ideas. But just having positive fun, 
family times together breeds that we like each other and we want to be together and we want y'all to get along. Um, and also just reminding them we're on the same team. You know, a lot of times they'll want their friends to be more important than their siblings, but we're on the same team and give them that long-term thinking of in, you know, in a long, long time when you're grownups, y'all are still going to be friends and you don't know if you're still going to be friends with these people that are in your neighborhood. Okay, so I got some funny Pinterest for some of these. Um, Tamlins don't tease. You've probably seen this. Dude, I'm not, I'm joking. You're not adopted. (laughs) And the one is so happy and the one is so sad. I love that. All right. Uh, and then I just wrote here, Tamlins are kind of one. This is kind of a rule of the household. And the one is totally sitting on the other one. And he says, I was here first. So I'm sure there's none of that going on in your house. Um, I love this one. Home is a safe place for all. The daughter wants to sell the brother and sweet little guy saying, I love my sister. That's sweet. And then uh, this doesn't have permission, so don't sell this to anybody. Uh, you see the reproduction rights there. Okay, so she says here something like, but they've got this child of the month thing on the wall. So just, you know, we're going to talk about competition here in a little bit, but just being sensitive to not, not trying to uh, make your children compete for, you know, center stage. So this kid got child of the month and the other one did not a good idea. Okay, the other one is not, is uh, don't label. You know, we're going to talk about that in a little bit also. Just, um, you don't want them to be like, well, he's the this one and she's the that one. And, and they kind of figure it out a little bit on their own. We're going we're gonna to get to that. But Okay, so let's see here. Skills that they need to learn before they leave home for sure. Uh, they need to learn to share. And, you know, not everything. There may be a special blankie or a special stuffed animal or a special something that no one else can play with. And that's okay. But not everything in their room. They need to learn to share. And I would also encourage you to do this when you um, have friends over. You know, if there's something really special, put it away so that you're not having to deal with that right then of, oh, you know, I know you want to play with that, but that's just put it out of sight. But also with siblings, I think there are, sometimes it's okay to have something that's off limits that's just their special thing and they don't have, they don't have to share. But generally in life, we want to teach them to share. They're going to, they need to learn to share their toys and they need to learn to share, you know, what, if you're going to watch a show or they need to learn to share treats. If there's, if you somehow go to something and don't, don't bring one cupcake home would be my advice. But if you do, um, they need to learn how to, you know, I think my dad had one and he, he's passed away, but this is a long time ago. He would say that he and his brother, if they had to split something, one of them would cut it and the other one would then get to pick the side. So the cutter didn't like, you know, try to rip the other one off. So anyway, but learning to share what, what works in your household and not sharing everything all the time. And that's okay to have those kind of boundaries, um, especially if they have something really special. Another skill they need to learn is to take turns. And, um, in our family, we, we go to lunch every single Sunday after church and, um, we go out to a restaurant and we used to have such trouble with, okay, let's go to make a scene. Oh, I had Mexican last night. Oh, you know, so we finally just started taking turns. We go from oldest to youngest or youngest to oldest. And we just, it's your week. What do you want to go? And it doesn't matter if you had Mika Sina last night, if the picker picks Mika Sina, you're going back to Mika Sina. Um, and as they're bigger, that does happen sometimes because they're not eating every meal with us. But taking turns is really important. So some sort of a system that's not a burden for you where you're having to keep some chart or, you know, and some of you may be chart keepers and that's great, but you don't want it to, whenever you inst- instill a system or a method, just make sure it's not more work for you than the benefits because, and your personality will enter into that. I was pretty sanguine and so, you know, I'd go to these things when my kids were little and I'm like, I'm going to have this chart and I'm going to have these stickers and we are going to implement this method. And it would just be like three days and I'm exhausted from it. So, you know, I learned like I'm more of a generalist or I, it just, so everything that you hear doesn't mean that it's the gospel, you know, just take things that work. So if you have a system for taking turns, that's probably a good idea, but just make sure it's not more difficult on you than the benefits, but they do need to learn to take turns. And that's what we did with the restaurant thing. So something along those lines of having something like we're going to go in order or alphabetical or biggest to young, whatever. Um, Another thing they need to learn is to be flexible. So um, that's just a skill we all need to have in life. And so just to what that looks like might be, 
this is not my favorite thing that I want to watch, but I'm going to be flexible. I'm going to be compassionate. I'm going to be kind, and I'm going to, you know, let the other person ch- uh, pick. So just being look, each child learning to be flexible. Your melancholy child is going to have more trouble being flexible because that's the way God wired them. But they don't need to be punished for it. They you just need to be aware of it as you parent them. The last, uh, one of the other things is just forgiving. And again, we've got sinners living with other sinners and it's going to be hard to forgive, but forgiveness is taught and caught and not natural. So you need to train them up in what that looks like to forgive and to ask forgiveness, to say you're sorry and not in a, you know, uh, trite kind of way. There used to be a TV show long, long, long time ago. And this girl, she was kind of a, um, oh, she was kind of a snobby, you know, rich gal and she would she'd be like sorry 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 you know that's not what you want to train them how to do just to really be again being compassionate thinking about the other child what how they must feel and then asking for forgiveness because you've you've harmed or hurt them and then another thing they need to learn is to how to handle aggression because that's probably going to happen they're going to get bonked on the head with something from by their sibling and just that it doesn't give them permission to bonk them back or to push them back or whatever so um, it's, I read somewhere that uh, sibling quarrels involve a unique challenge to parents. However, according to child psychologists and conflict resolution experts, most sibling quarrels can be slotted into one of these six categories. Fights over toys, fights caused by children feeling crowded or needing more time alone. We're going to talk about that. Fights caused by children feeling slighted over fairness. Um, fights used to get parents' attention. Fights that erupt because kids are bored and restless, and fights caused by physical or emotional meltdowns. And we're going to talk about all those here just in a little bit more. But, um, okay, so more steps. Wait, here we go. Here's just our golden rule there. Do as to others as you would have them do to you. That's a beautiful saying, and it actually is in the Bible as according to other things like God helps those who help themselves. That's not in there. But this one is, and you've heard it, you've heard it a lot, and um, it would be a good one to, te- to teach your kiddos. You know, and then you, then you can do some training with that. You know, we do to others as you would have them do to you. Do you want to be bonked on the head with the, you know, a toy? No, you know, those kind of things. Okay, um, okay, so first steps to peace in your household. The first thing I would encourage you to do is to pray. Pray, 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 pray. Pray specifically for each child. Pray for the conflict in your house. Pray for you, too. And we're going to get to some more details about that. But, um, as, you know, you just... You can't pray enough for your children, for their child-rearing, for their hearts, for them getting along, for them learning forgiveness. You can't spend enough time in prayer over your children. Um, And if you have a specific conflict, then I would really ask you to, you know, be praying about that. Bring it up to your husband. um, Pray together. But you just can't pray enough for for, um, these things just don't happen. Okay. Um, As we move on. Okay, so more steps to peace would be just to be prepared to step in, especially when they're little, because they can't hurt each other. And they might not have the, you know, when they're like two or three, they don't have the knowledge to know that they could really harm somebody by doing some, you know, pushing them down the stairs or something. They just, they don't have it in them. It's not innate. When you, didn't you know? No, they, they don't. So you need to step in a lot more when they're little. Um, another one would be to know their triggers. Okay. And that, thing I read just a minute ago talked about when they are bored and you think, how can a kid be bored? You know, you got a house full of toys, but sometimes they may need, um, you know, kind of instructed play. So if, if you're, if you're nursing your baby and your three-year-old is just hanging, they're going to probably get bored. And that may be when they're likely to act up. Um, and I, I, I know I've seen this on Pinterest or other you know, magazines or websites or whatever, but just to, you might even think about having special things to, that your bigger child can do when you are nursing that baby so that you can enjoy the baby and not be hopping up every five seconds to discipline the other one. But um, just, you know, like maybe it's a, a Tupperware with some special markers or some, you know, and they're right there with you, but just something special so that you can keep that other child occupied. Um, but that can be a trigger is boredom. You can, you, you picture that in your head. You can think about, you know, when they are, when they don't have anything, you know, planned to do, or then they, that might be when they decide to get into it with each other. Another thing would be just certain toys. If there are certain toys that trigger that, then you got to have a plan. You got to have a plan ahead of time. Like we don't play with that or we play with it, you know, when the other one is not around or, you know, just some sort of a plan if, or get two of them for heaven's sake. If it's like a matchbox car, 
have two of them, um, but they do need to learn to share. So you don't want to have duplicates of everything, but sometimes a trigger can be a certain toy. And you know, you've worked in the nursery and you know, there's like, everybody wants the whatever, and we just need to put it up for right now. Right. Um, also when they're tired or hungry and you know, you have a lot of control over that because a lot of times when they're tired or hungry is because you have made plans and you've gotten back late or you, you know, you've gone to the park and you just stayed a little bit too long and now they're having a meltdown. We're going to talk about meltdowns here in a bit, but anyway, so just kind of know what their triggers are and be prepared, you know, kind of have a, a plan before it happens. Um, also make sure that they have time apart. And I was thinking about, you know, how realistically, how does that work? And it may just be that they have room time if they're not napping age, um, but they, everybody needs a little bit of time alone. Like I said, don't treat them like a pack of puppies where everybody does everything. I mean, that's generally the way your life's going to be. But if you can have those special, you're, you know, dad's home and I need to go get milk and I'm just going to take this one with me, you know, or whatever, just that they have time apart every day. If, if at all possible. And if not in this, in different rooms, then maybe they all, are in a different spot and you let everybody watch a 30-minute Dora or something like that. But they just have their own space for a little bit of time. I think everybody needs that. And some personalities need it more than others so that they can um, just regenerate. Um, Another thing that is a good idea if they're big enough is to role play with them. So when they're not in the midst of a fight, they're not in the midst of an argument, and we're just having a happy family dinner together, is you say, how would you like to ask so-and-so you know, how would you, how could you have handled that better? Or you just role play like you, they have your toy and you want it. What might you say to them? And just practice what that looks like because they might not know. Hopefully they're seeing you role model those things in life, but, um, just to kind of practice. I know that kind of sounds a little corny, but I really think it could be, uh, it could be helpful to just be like, what does this really look like to not fight and to share or to take turns or have a timer or whatever. Um, another thing would just be give re- positive reinforcement when you see it. So that would look like, uh, hey, I like the way you're walking by. I like the way y'all are sharing. I like the way you're taking turns, those kind of things. Um, And then you want to be careful not to create bullies and victims because a lot of times there really is one child that might be what you would consider the bully, especially if they're, you know, older. And what that tells me is that kid probably needs some extra special time with you. Okay, that's probably why you have this kind of bully mentality is they're trying to get attention and you need to plan something or some way to be alone with that child. Maybe it's just a, reading a story to them or a book or, you know, some little time to make them feel special. Because I think a lot of times the bully thing is um, because they, they're trying to get your attention. Um, let's see here. Another thing is to set a good example. So you think, you know, I... In our foundation group, who we adore these couples, but there are ones that I can see they really do argue more than others. And so if they see you and your husband arguing or disputing or what they would call fighting or whatever, they're going to think that that's an okay, acceptable way to live. And obviously not all sibling rivalry is because they see you do it. But it just is something to think about, like, you know, and not that you don't ever want to address conflict. But sometimes we probably need to all just um, extend mercy and forbearance as our chapter that we just read covered, but uh, not to have to hash out every single thing because they're going to learn that. They're going to see it as a way of life. They're going to see it as a habit and they're going to do it. So I'm not saying you're, all of your sibling rivalry is that, but they need to hear you speaking to each other in respectful, polite tones, which goes on to the next one. Practice politeness. You know, using please and thank you, you know, even when it's just y'all at home, teaching them those kind of things. Um, Another thing that I would say that is a good idea is to decrease your boundaries. If, uh, if they don't, if they can't get along, then, then you're going to be like, well, you know what? We're not going to be able to to go on that play date or say you're meeting friends up here at the cool new tree house, you know, and you say, and we're going at, we're meeting them at 10 and you tell them at nine, if you have one more argument, we're not going. But then guess what? You have to actually do that. So you have to be willing. Don't make threats that you can't follow through with. And um, I had a dear friend who was supposed to come to my, over to play with my son on his sixth birthday. Um, you know, he's like 23. I still remember this. But she, he did something wrong. And the threat she made was you can't go over to Carter's for his birthday. And then she followed through, which was great. But then my kid had nobody to play with on his birthday. So watch what you say 
you know, but you need to carry through with what you say, but don't make an idle threat that doesn't make sense. But sometimes you will need to pull it back and decrease the boundaries and say, you know what, you can't, you can't play with your friends until you can be nice to your brother or your sister. And I think that is really, really important because why should they be rewarded? And you know they're going to be nice to their friends. They don't reward them for, uh, and then and reward them for, for being mean to their child or to the sibling by go, letting them go play with people that they really want to play with. They need to get along at home before they can go out and get along with others. Um, and then also just building in long-term thinking. You all are going to be friends your whole life. You know, you're going to be brother and sister even when mommy and daddy aren't here anymore. You know, uh, just that thinking of y'all are forever. Um, like almost like a spouse. You are going to be forever friends and just building that in when they're little. I mean, my kids started talking when they were, you know, years ago about they were all going to get a ranch together. And I mean, I love that. I was like, can I come? Because, but I mean, they, you know, just that long term thinking of we are going to be. We're going to be friends, and our spouses are going to be friends. And you saw in some of the pictures Carter's fiance, who we love and adore, but she she's joined in with our family, and he's joined in with hers. And we're all going to get along and, and have fun together. So, okay. So one of the things we talked about was just having great, positive family time together, and just you know that could look like meals, it could look like cooking um, together. And you know when they're little bitty, they're not going to be over the hot stove, but they could set a table or they could pick what cups or, you know, there's just whatever there is age appropriate that they might be able to do just doing stuff together. Um, also prayer time together. We've done it all different kind of ways where, um, we've prayed individually. We've had like a journal, we've done cards, we've, you know, done thing for three nights and then stopped it. Cause we, I'm terrible at following through on systems. So, but just, you know, whatever works, but praying together is a sweet way to share, to share hearts. Um, Field trips, I loved the summer with my kids when they were little because we'd go do fun things. And um, I've shared with this before, but, you know, just a membership to the Arboretum or um, the public pool or whatever, just fun things so that they think that we have fun together. We have, we love each other, we want to be together, and we have fun together. We're not always having to have play dates for everything. Uh, <clears throat> vacations, like I always mentioned, already mentioned, don't expect the vacate it won't may it may not be a vacation for you if you take a six month old skiing but but your other kid you know you can't always dumb down to the youngest child just still go and have fun and you know take turns and um, make make fun family memories of vacations um, playing games and again it doesn't have to be like Monopoly but it could be Duck Duck Goose for a few minutes or you know just fun things that build fam- family bonds um, a mall. I used to love to go to the mall with my kids. There's fun things to see. Some have merry-go-rounds. There's, you can get a snack. I mean, it can be, you know, meet a friend there, have adult conversation, and see the sights. Um, and also a movie. But, you know, you, ought, you probably want to go to a movie with another adult. Just, I wouldn't go to the movie theater with three small children by myself. Um, okay, so let's see. And that's a picture there of we took a cruise. And this is before they were engaged. And that's Jessica, who's the between the boys. And... Um, that's Carter's fiance, and we love and adore her. But she, we had, we start having fun with her. We want join in with us. You know, you're part of the family, and we have fun together. So, come be with us. Another thing you want to have is engage family time. And again, like say you're at a meal, you want to ask them their highs and their lows of the day, what happened. I mean, my, my son, who's on the left there, his his um, vocabulary would consist of fine, good, uh huh. So I have to be a little more creative about, you know asking, asking open-ended questions as they say with him. Um, but also really celebrating birthdays and holidays is a great way to help the other kids celebrate this other child because it's their day on their birthday or whatever. And then, um, some kids really connect with physical touch. I have one who, even when it was like 105 at the soccer game, she'd want to sit in your lap. (laughs) I'm burning up, but she loved physical touch and she still does. She's 15 and she'll still crawl into my bed and let me rub her back for, you know, five minutes before she hops in the shower in the morning. And I love that. But that is, that's, that's her deal. And the, uh, the boys, not their deal. In fact, that'll get us to um, love language here in just a second. So we want to connect with each child. We'll talk about love language in just a minute. Bedtime's a sweet time to connect with each child. I know you'd rather just like everyone go to bed, please now, and leave me alone. But, you know, if you just think about it, and we talked about this in our foundation group, of some of the, the chores, like if you really time it, it's just two minutes to unload your dishwasher 
or it's just, you know, two minutes to make up your bed. So to to connect with each child individually at bedtime, you know, even if you have five kids, that's just 10 minutes. Just connect with each one. Say a kind word to them. Make them feel loved and accepted. Um, Ask forgiveness if you've been sharp with them. Um, I just think an individual bedtime thing is a sweet way to end each day with each child. And so I know you're so tired and you would rather them just disappear. But I would just encourage you to get in that routine. We have a friend who we laugh. She sang Silent Night to her daughter, like, you know, summer, spring, winter, and fall. But, um, but until she was old. And what a sweet, sweet memory. And I have some songs like that for my kids. And um, so just, you know, those kind of creating those strong family bonds. But I would just, I would think about that. Try, you know, is there a way you can connect with each child at the end of the day, even if it's short? And then um, another way to connect with them is just to spend time alone with them. Maybe not at bedtime, but maybe you just one kid, you'd rather go to Target alone. But just sometimes that's really special for them to get one child away if your husband's home or whatever. Um, and then also, so as they get older, we want to do the love language thing. And I know I've talked about this before, but just um, physical touch, which we just talked about. Some of them, you'll be able to probably tell it. It's that child that wants to be held, held more, um, you know, scratch my back, hold my hand, sit in your lap, all those kind of things. And they all do at some ages, but as they get bigger, that kind of continues. Another one is words of encouragement. And they really want to hear that they've done a good job. And you'll, you know, all of us need all of these things. But as they get bigger, you'll start to kind of realize this one really loves when I do this act of service for them or this words of encouragement or whatever. Another one is quality time. So if you have one of those, you want to be sure that they get those trips to the grocery store or whatever with you to have that time. Um, give, act, you know, gift giving, which, you know, that seems kind of crazy, but that can be at something at the dollar store or something that you bring home. And again, you're not probably going to want to bring one if you have three children. <laughs> but just when you have opportunities to do something special for them. Um, and then acts of service is another one. Okay, so God knows us intimately, and we go on with that. With that, uh, Well, the, actually, this is the beginning of 139. But, oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. And so what I would really love for you to do now is to, to those colored sheets, is I'd love to give you like um, maybe just five or seven minutes. We'll stop at 1130. Just take each child, write their name at the top, and just start to ponder and pray about each note. And we're not going to talk, but just pray, just start it, because you'll be more likely to finish it if you, um, if you at least have it started. And then we, I just have a few more things to wrap up after y'all do that. But I just... Um, I think it's so important how God knows intimately each of us. We need to intimately study our children so that we can love them well. Now, I'm not saying that we should be worshiping our kids. And I'm not saying that we should be entitling our children like you learned last time. But just love them well. And if you don't take the time to study them, it's harder to do. So there's, if you, yeah, if you need to switch around sheets, like if you have extra and somebody else, you need a, I just did it so you could do like your boys and green and your girls in purple or whatever. So I'm just going to give you a few minutes while you're here, but I would encourage you to finish it at home. And then we'll, I'll just wrap up real quickly after that. So you have table time too. I'm going to wrap up like five more minutes and then y'all have table questions. And I, but I really, and, and I hope you don't think it's a corny exercise, but I did it years ago and I just came across it recently and it was the sweetest thing ever just to look at what I was praying for, for that child who you know, when they were this age, wouldn't share or this age, you know. And I, when I say likes and dislikes, I mean, I mean even things like I love Power Rangers or I love Dora or I love Pink or, you know, just who they are at this time. And if you did this every January, what a sweet treasure you would have. Um, and again, you don't need an extra thing for your checklist, but it was a sweet thing for me to be able to look back on that. But it really did help me know how to pray for each one of them but instead of just like the you know, that they would come to know you, that they'd be protected, that, that, you know, the general things that you might be praying for, but just individually their character and, um, and how, how they can feel loved and accepted in the family. Okay. So just a couple of things real quickly is, um, things that we want to eliminate in our parenting and that is comparing. And that's sometimes really hard, but you know, you don't, no child wants to hear, can't you clean up your room like Johnny? Or, you know, look how so-and-so ate all their vegetables, you know, don't, don't do that because that, you don't like to be compared either. So try not to have that be part of your 
parenting. Um, and when you do praise your children, you want to praise them for like their strengths, the way God's made them, and not necessarily their achievements, and even less for their looks. Because I think about, you know, that's nothing they have control over. So, I mean, you, you don't want them to be thinking that they are uh, so valued because they, they're beautiful. I mean, that's okay to, be, to point out that they're beautiful, but God made you that way, and you're more beautiful on the inside and things like that. So just, um, you know, praise them well. But I had a child who, when I, I could say, Ty, you did a good job on your science test, and my daughter would start going, you didn't say you thought... Like you didn't even have a science test, you know. But so I had to really be careful to, to, to praise them where it didn't make the other one feel bad. So you had to pick, pick your timing, maybe that prayer time at night or things like that. Not that you never praise the other in front of the other ones, but just generally you want to be aware of you're not praising one to make another one feel bad or you're not, try, or you're not trying to compare or that kind of thing. Another one is labeling. Sometimes that can happen even if you don't want it to. I heard my kids, this was years ago, but they said, if you want, this is the older one telling the earth, if you want clothes, ask mom. If you want electronics, ask dad. And I was like, that is so true. That is so true. But try not to label. In fact, in our family, our kids have, Ty is the smart one, Carter's the funny one, you know. So, but I, I, they are innately, I mean, they are in each individually made and they, their labeling has some truth, but just don't you do it. They'll, they'll figure it out anyway, unfortunately. And then also that just not to, not to compete, you know, to lay out things where they, there is enough love and encouragement and praise to go around and they don't need to win or to be first or, you know, those kind of things. In fact, I remember a story. My sisters were eight and 10 years older than me, and they would sit on, I can't believe my mom let them do this. They would sit on my dad's, each of his knees, and they would chant, Elizabeth doesn't have a daddy, Elizabeth doesn't, I was like, I mean, I look back at that now, I'm like, that was mean. Anyway, I've moved on. Um, okay, so we don't want to create competition. This, this one here says, the bad news is we only had enough money for one birthday present. The good news is that, is that your mom has come with a, with a really fun way to see who gets it. And he's got boxing gloves. So you probably don't want to encourage that. And then children, they need to be treated. They don't need to be treated equally. They need to be treated uniquely. And our innate motherhood would have us be like, we got to be fair. And we tell our kids, you know, we're not going to probably be fair at the end of the day. But probably in life, it will be somewhat fair, you know, but they have different needs at different times. And I can remember, you know, I would save clothes from Carter for Ty. So I had this system in the attic, you know, and then, but, but then sometimes it'd be like, okay, we're going shopping for an Easter outfit. Carter, you get a new outfit. Addie, you're a girl. You get, Ty, we're going to the attic for you. You know, somehow that just didn't seem right. So you, you know, you don't want to, uh, you don't want to treat them. You're not, you don't need to be worried about treating them each equally because they're all unique individual and they have different, you know, speaking to one child or doing this with one child might work and another one, it really doesn't have much meaning. So again, spend time filling out that inventory deal so that you can love each one of them very uniquely. Um, and this verse I love also is, uh, and we urge you brothers, warn those who are idle, you know, when they get idle, what happens? Encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ. I love that verse too. So if you're looking for some to have as your kind of your family or life verses, some of those ones I've shared would be good. Um, in our family, respect is required. Um, home is a safe place for everyone. So you can't, nobody needs to be at home and not feel loved or not, or feel like they're going to be made fun of or, you know, something like that. And, um, just to have rules of your home, Tamlins don't yell, Tamlins don't scream, they don't fight, they don't hit, they don't disrespect, they don't make fun of, set those, set those in your, in your families. And then from Colossians, let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. So effective communication, the words that come out of our mouth and, um, the ways that we treat our, treat our children. We want to address the behavior, whatever it is, fighting, quarreling, not sharing, hitting somebody on the head, uh, mean words. You want to address the behavior. When, you, when they're telling you your story, you want to stop and let everybody take turns talking. And so everybody can't talk at once telling you their side of the story. 
Um, you might suggest a solution, but you also might ask them to suggest it. This is not for like a one and a two-year-old. You just probably need to separate them. Um, but also let them help in the solution because as they get bigger, that's a quality they need to have in life is how to solve problems or how to solve conflict. And, um, I love this. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this ministry. They've, they're finally online, but it's called doorposts and they have an if, if then chart, but you don't really need to go by the chart. But you know, if you have it mapped out, I'm sure Millie will talk about this, but if you have it mapped out, what's going to happen if you do this, then this is going to happen. And it could be the same thing with conflict. If you hit then this is going to happen. If ugly words come out of your mouth, then this is going to happen. So there's not a lot of guesswork when you're in the middle of a conflict with these children because you've already mapped it out. You've already gone over it with them and they know what's going to happen if they say a bad word. They know what's going to happen if they hit. They know what's going to happen if they don't share. And um, so the if then chart is a great idea. You don't need to go by that one, but just have it mapped out. She'll be talking, I'm sure, about consequences to discipline and um, how to do that best. But just, it's nice to have the clear consequences decided on ahead of time. So you don't have to be thinking, uh, what am I going to do this time? Um, let's see. And then I love the, just this verse. Be, this is another, just a great, it encompasses a lot. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And, um, you know, you wonder, is sibling harmony really that important? Because it's hard. It's hard. And it's, you know, it's the brunt of you who are with them most of the time to work this out. But I got this verse and I just thought this was a great one. If anyone says I love God yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So it is important. And you've been, uh, you've been given a high calling to, to love these kiddos. But inst- and, you know, instead of having a whole bunch of systems or methods or I don't have 12 things for you to go home and do, just love them well and love them each and be a student of your children. And I think as you continue to understand each of them, then some of those things will you know, just kind of resolve themselves. So let me close in prayer, and then y'all can uh, spend some time with those questions. And I really would encourage you to finish that inventory in your spare time. I'm just kidding. Lord, thank you for these ladies, Father. Thank you that you have given us children. What a privilege it is. And I just pray for each one of them, Father, that they would um, learn how to handle the disputes and the arguments and the quarreling and um, the fighting and just the not sharing and all those things, Father. Teach us, as sinners as each one of us are, Teach us how to handle conflict in a way that glorifies you. Give us strength as parents. Give us wisdom as parents. Help us to know and love these wonderful children you've given us and um, just to serve you well as we raise them. In Jesus' name, amen.